Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. Have you ever been really into your relationship and feeling really connected to your partner? Even maybe picturing a, a life happily together with them, but then found this problem that your partner isn't at the same time, same level of connection or commitment that you're at. And they're potentially even envisaging something quite different. How do you bridge that gap and get on the same page? Today, we're going to be looking at how we bond together and specifically how men and women bond differently. If you're interested in understanding this process and learning the key differences we have and how to navigate them, you don't want to miss this conversation. And Adam Lane Smith is going to be joining us. He's here right now. He's an author, a coach, an attachment specialist. And he focuses in a lot in this area of bonding, the bonding process and how it works and how we get it wrong. So firstly, welcome, Adam. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. I am so glad to be here. This is going to be a great conversation. You think so, too. I'm excited. Well, um, first, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Adam, is um, we're going to be talking about bonding. And just to set the scene, I'd love for you to explain like why bonding is so fundamental to relationships you know why should we all care about that if we care about having great relationships oh absolutely bonding is part of the human experience in fact it's one of the biggest parts of the human experience you look at us and everything we do in our life connects back to some sort of relationship humans are meant to be relationship creatures not isolated not alone not completely shut off from the rest of the world we don't do well that way We've always heard safety in numbers. We've had that drilled into us. But if you go back in our human history, bonding is what kept us alive. It's what kept us, it keeps us safe when we're sick, when we're hurt, when we're scared, when someone else or an animal comes to attack us. Bonding in the strength of our relationships keeps us alive. And if our bonding is poor, we know it, we get scared. That's a really great point. And I guess just coming back to like some of the biggest challenges in our culture generally, like around mental health and depression and so on. What would you say is the, the link between like the mental health difficulties people have and their inability or challenges in bonding? Absolutely. Well, if you look at attachment, and that's that's my specialty, with attachment, it's the way you connect to other human beings. If you have anxious attachment style, your brain says, I don't deserve love, and people will find that out, and they will abandon me if they do. So I have to be perfect all the time and be an imposter forever until I get abandoned. If you have avoidant attachment style, your brain says no one else on earth is capable of working in good faith with me. So I need to keep everyone at arm's length so no one ever hurts me. But I also need to get my needs met. So I got to figure out how to motivate other people to do what I want them to do. Sometimes in a kind way, sometimes in a manipulative way, depending on on the person. Um, Those breaks right there create a dynamic where you can never relax. You can never trust that other people will help you. And now it's you alone solving every problem you ever experience in your life. It all comes down to you being stressed out enough that you are always on guard and always ready to do whatever it takes to keep yourself safe. And you can never relax and never let go because no one else is ever going to protect you. I see. And how does that then impact on us if we have that sense of needing to control everything and that it's all on me and I can't rely on anyone else? What what kind of outcomes could I expect to have? Well, it, it boils down to this. There's an Icelandic proverb that says, bear is the back of a brotherless man. 
And that's true. When you have no brothers around you to protect you, your back is going to get stabbed. You have a spot that you cannot watch. And your brain knows that you cannot track every variable in your life perfectly forever to keep yourself safe. If you have nobody to watch over you, no one to help you, no one to protect you if you get sick or if someone tries to hurt you, never your anxiety skyrockets and you are always on a hair trigger. If, for example, something bad happens, and it will because this is life, then you may develop trauma easier because when you experience a trauma, your brain says, what are all the variables that went into this? And how do I make sure I never get hurt like this again? And if your brain can't process that and just says, there's no way to make sure I'm safe, I just have to stay scared forever, it's easier to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. If you are constantly fearful all the time that something bad could happen, generalized anxiety disorder. Eventually you crash, especially in your teens, when you realize you're going to be alone and isolated forever and that bad things will keep happening to you no matter how scared you get, depression sets in. Panic attacks going to skyrocket in. It's very easy to have panic attacks under these circumstances because all it takes is a period of prolonged stress, a lot harder than usual, and your brain starts freaking out thinking that you are going to die because socially your brain, your brain has linked abandonment or 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 being vulnerable and being exposed with dying and being wounded and hurt by other people. It is very easy to get these other diagnoses and many of them are underpinned by those attachment issues. Yeah, I see. I get it. So one of my I get takeaways when I'm listening to you there, Adam, uh, so passionate as well, which I, I love is you're really saying that we can't avoid like relationships, like relationships have got to be part of the solution. You know, if we're going to overcome some of these things, is that a fair absolutely well think i mean you're born into a family those are relationships you are born into relationships whether you like them or not even if those people abandon you then you have been abandoned in your core relationships if you try to have a romantic partner that's a relationship you try to have friends that's a relationship you get a job you have a relationship to an employer you run a business you have a relationship with your customers you have a relationship with coworkers. no matter where you go you create art you are creating objects for other people to experience what you are experiencing. That's a relationship to the viewer of your art. No matter what you are doing, it's a relationship in some way, shape, or form. So the way you view relationships colors every single part of your life. You cannot get away from them. You just can't. I get it. That's really, really powerful statement. I, I, I love that. And very, yeah, I, I really see that. You know, some people, I guess one of people's coping mechanisms, maybe if they've been hurt in a few relationships, is to say, well, do you know what? Maybe I just don't need this. I can just do it all on my own. Let's just let's just plow this furrow on my own. But what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that's maybe not the best or most functional like long-term strategy. No, a human being who has shut themselves off from relationships is a human being who has given up a gigantic portion of their own well-being. Yeah, I see. Fantastic. Thanks for, for sharing that. And so now we've got gone past that point. So uh, we've established that, you know, relationships are fundamental to any real positive outcome that we want to have. Um, thinking about this area of like bonding and attachment, let's talk about some of the ways it can go wrong. You know, it can break down and we can run into trouble. G give us a, a flavor of like the different ways in which, you know, our relationship, let's say if we're in a relationship, that this bonding or attachment thing might not be working. Mm -hmm. Well, do you want me to cover the symptoms now or do you want me to cover how it breaks in childhood? Um, so, yeah. So how it's the symptom like in our relationship that shows uh -huh. us that this isn't working. And then we'll come on to talk about the causes and how, you know, how that. Sort Beautiful. Of Absolutely. So if you how to tell if you've got attachment issues going on in your relationship right now, 
if the two of you, if, for example, in a romantic relationship, cannot cooperate on solving problems together, if one of you is dead set on solving it alone, and the other one just blames themselves for the problem over and over and tries to cover it up by making the other person happy, um, anxious style and avoidant style tend to attract each other. So that's the most common pairing. The anxious style will say, let's not think about the problems. Let's just sit over here and I'll make you happy, 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 because the problems must inevitably be my fault because I am a fraud and everything must be my, my fault because I'm bad. And the avoidant yeah. person will say, I can't trust anyone to solve problems with me. I got to solve it on my own. But the avoidant sometimes will blame the, the anxious person for those issues to keep them at arm's length and say, yeah, I mean, if you did better, then we wouldn't have to be in this circumstance. This is why I'm not super close to you. And that's why I won't open up. And they'll, they'll invent reasons why they aren't opening up. If, if the couple fight a lot, fighting is trying to win at the expense of the other person. Fighting is a good sign of bad attachment. Arguing mm -hmm. is totally different because arguments can take place in good faith. And you're debating back and forth what the best approach is. Um, if your relationship is not based on principles and goals, like a long-term commitment you're building together or a legacy you're building together, if the relationship is mm -hmm. built purely on the feelings you give each other, that is a good sign of broken attachment because a relationship must be more than just feelings because feelings inevitably will not always be wonderful. And that means your relationship is on the edge of death just because the feelings aren't great. And if you don't believe you can give anyone more than just feelings, then all you can think about is the feelings. It's the fluff. It's not the relationship itself. If you are constantly terrified of abandonment, or if you are terrified that people getting too close to you means they're going to hurt you, if you struggle to believe other people will act in good faith with you, and if you think that you are one step away from completely losing everyone in your life, just if you have a bad day and everyone figures out you're a fraud, you could have anxious attachment, you could have avoidant attachment, or you could have disorganized attachment. Especially disorganized, you will go back and forth and back and forth. It's very chaotic. Hot and cold, hot and cold. You don't know what you want. Nobody does. If those are some going on in your relationship and you're devaluing the other person, fighting, running away, devaluing yourself, devaluing yourself, disrespecting yourself, hate yourself, all of those are really good indications that there's an attachment issue at play. I see. I get it. And from, from what I'm hearing or what I'm understanding, uh, Adam, is that it's likely to that these some of these things you're describing will have come up more than once you know it could be a pattern that has developed is that is that fair this, to say yes this is how you approach relationships especially as the stakes get higher you might be okay with a stranger down the street but with your loved ones it's much harder because you actually fear of getting hurt or abandoned by them much more i see it's almost like the deeper we go into the relationship the more vulnerable we become and then that's when these patterns could start playing out typically that's exactly right exactly right Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so if, yeah, so I'm sure for, for some people listening they're they're, list, they're hearing that and saying, well, that definitely sounds a bit familiar, you know, to some extent, at least, I guess most mm -hmm. of us will have at least some version of one of those playing out to, uh, unless by some miracle, we're the most perfectly adapted and uh, enlightened <laughs> being, but you know, let's just say that we're not, and we have our own, our challenges. Um, sure. Just give us a, a flavor because I'm guessing, I mean, having obviously followed some of your work as well, Adam, you know, these patterns tend to go back quite a long way, like to when we're growing up, really, and the, mm -hmm. the first things that we experience. Could you just give an example for people? I think that be useful just to give an example of how like the difficulty that we encounter like early in our life can then mm -hmm. play through and show up in a relationship when we're older. Absolutely. So you are born with two biological parents. 
Every child is born with two biological parents. And the brain says, how do these people treat me? And if they treat me that way, no one else on earth is ever going to treat me better than those people will. So they will be honest and they will show me exactly what to expect from other people. So if the person hurts you or abandons you or neglects you or is too depressed to take care of you, too busy to be around you, if they are working three jobs to make ends meet and the other parent is gone, the brain can form a number of different wrong associations. Either that my parents are not around me or they hurt me or they don't like me or they're mad all the time because there's something wrong with me on the inside that everyone else can see. And I don't know what it is, but they are right to treat me this way. This is anxious attachment. Mm-hmm. Or the brain says, these people are nuts. There's something wrong with everyone. I can't trust anybody to act in good faith with me. Everyone's out to screw me over and get what they can. So I got to stay safe from these crazy people. And everyone on earth is going to be even worse. So I got to keep my everyone at arm's length. So they can't hurt me. And I got to figure out a way to get my needs met without getting too close to anybody. Or if the love is really inconsistent, the lo- there's love and affection and then it's used to hurt and then love and affection and used to hurt. You can form both where you try and try and try to earn approval and approval and approval with anxious style and it doesn't work. So you turn around and start leveraging avoidant behaviors as well to bring other people in the line and make them do what you want them to do. And then you run hot and cold. So when you get close, you feel scared, but then when you try to run away, you get, you get sad that you've lost them and you feel hurt. So you run back to them and try to win them back, but then you're scared again. That's the disorganized style. And all three of those come from that childhood piece. It could be daycare way too early. It could be being born in, and having to be put in, in what we call in the U.S. the NICU, the infant um, intensive care unit uh, for ne- neo was it natal natal intensive care unit. Um, it can be abuse. It can be parents being depressed, parents with attachment issues, parents who just don't know the good things to do. They know the bad things to avoid, but they don't know the good things they're supposed to do because their parents didn't give them love and nurturing. So they just try to kind of just raise you in this modern world as best they can and put you in sports and hope that kind of fixes it. And yes, it can come from a number of places, but that's that's where it breaks is parents. Yeah. That's really useful. And, you know, just to, I, I guess, say to people listening that, you know, this, I don't believe, or certainly from my point of view, I don't think from yours either, Adam, is about blaming people or sort of saying, well, it's all down to these people but some understanding can be helpful can't it in just saying well you know if yes. i find i have this pattern it's not there's something wrong with me it's like i've developed it for a reason you know, yes it kept you alive they were, their, they were doing their best right but sometimes the things that we absorb maybe weren't optimal or exactly what yes. we would have wanted but um you absorb yeah, so skills you. for for a harsher environment than you're actually in and now you're in modern day therapy world where no one <laughs> And your brain thinks you have to cruelly survive these horrible conditions and that you are garbage or everyone else is garbage and you're in this horrible environment. And that's just not the case. Uh, your brain is adapted then to believe that those things are true and you have to stay safe from everybody else. It's a bad way to be. Absolutely. It makes sense, Adam. Thanks for, thanks for clarifying that. And um, I wanted to come on now and talk a bit about the differences between like the way men and women bond. So I think this mm-hmm. is a very topical thing. And lots of people struggle with this particularly if, if you're in a relationship you know if you're a man in a relationship with a woman or a woman in a relationship with a man and you know we just notice that our partner is a bit different in terms of how we perceive or react to things then you mm-hmm. know people can struggle you know particularly in our our culture you know where we don't really learn this stuff or we just kind of learn at school that everything's 50 50 and we're all equal and end of story um mm-hmm. but yeah i'd love to hear 
what your thoughts are, um, Adam, about like some of the differences to be aware of in terms of the way men and women bond or maybe struggle with this this process. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind that the male brain has more vasopressin receptors in it than the woman brain does. Just naturally, we're born that way. And a difficult childhood with attachment issues where you have an oxytocin deficiency and not much oxytocin is given, your oxytocin receptors can shift to be more primed for vasopressin acceptance instead of oxytocin. So you could also develop oxytocin aversion where you're scared of oxytocin and it makes you fearful. There's a number of things that can happen there. But by and large, gen dealing with, with the average neurotypical male, they will be primed to bond through accomplishments, through teamwork, through sharing goals and sharing missions together, through overcoming challenges together, and through accomplishing tasks together that they can high-five afterward. Big, the male high-five, right? We see this in the military. We see this in street gangs. We see this in construction crews. Any men who are building things together and achieving things together, they bond like super glue and they will be friends often forever and ever and ever. Even if they didn't like each other at the start, they form this unbreakable bond so that when they're mm -hmm. 90 years old, the veterans, you know, get back together again for an old you know, World War II um, you know, memorial. And it's as if they've never been apart. That's that vasopressin bonding that we talk about. Um, not that women don't experience it, but men are very primed for it. And when they do experience it, it then opens the door for them to say, I really want to keep this person around. And it opens the door for emotional investment, which leads then to oxytocin bonding, where the man will want to get more affectionate, more kind, giving more, more gentleness, more love, more, more oxytocin to the woman um, or to whoever they have vasopressin bonded to. Women tend toward the other direction. They will oxytocin bond first and feel safe and bonded and cared for and mutual affection and mutual good regard. And then she will open up for vasopressin recepting um, and bonding because she knows she will not be abandoned in the middle of overcoming a challenge. She knows that she will be cared for. Um, this is this is typically the pattern that it follows, and that's men and women yeah. just prioritize different things, generally speaking, right out of the gate. Experiences can shape us, mm -hmm. of course, but that is by and large the difference between us. I guess yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Adam. Thanks for for sharing that. And so let's say if. Um, if I'm a man where I may be more prone to bonding through achievement, activity, getting mm -hmm. things done, um, mm -hmm. what, how might that then lead to issues in my relationship? You know, if my partner is, let's say, just trying to talk to me or just trying to maybe do things more like maybe just watching a romantic film together and mm -hmm. what sort of situations could kind of come up, would you say, where we could end up at odds, you know, at differences? Yes. The biggest, biggest, biggest problem between men and women when it comes to solving problems and solution focus is this one. It's when I work in my coaching all the time when I teach men how to communicate with women. Women often communicate to release oxytocin together, to establish trust, um, to receive comfort, and to process their feelings and, and decrease their emotional agitation. That is typically what female communication is about. Nowhere in there did I say find a solution. Not that women are never trying to find a solution, but by and large, when she comes home and she's had a difficult day and wants to talk to you about it, she's not looking for solutions. Men, the male brain goes mostly backwards and forwards, observe and act upon it, observe and act upon it. Female brain goes back and then across and across and across the hemispheres, typically to analyze, analyze, analyze and, and make connections. Um, the male brain observe and act upon it. 
and we love solutions and other men love solutions. So our, our wife comes home and says, oh, I had the hardest day. Let me tell you about it. She starts talking and he says, wait, let me stop you right there. Here's the solution. He tries to shut her off to say, here's the solution. I just thought of, isn't this great? I have solved your problem for you in record time. You don't even have to keep telling me about the problem. And in his brain, he has done her a great service. And in her brain, she, he has shut her down. He has said, I'm not interested in hearing. I'm not interested in helping you process. I am not interested in being in, in you sharing this with me and, and, and being your confidant. I am not interested in bonding with you. I am not interested in oxytocin sharing with you. I do not want to hear this. Here is your solution. Please go away. That is what she has heard. And if he does this over and over and over and over, and he thinks he's doing great, and she's getting more and more upset and receiving that he's not interested in her, the message this sends is that he is not bonded to her. He doesn't care about the connection. He is just there to get good feelings from her. And then it makes her insecure because any other woman can come along and give him better feelings and he will leave her for that other woman. So if he is just trying to provide her solutions, she will more and more lean toward the relationship is doomed because he has no care for her. This is one of the biggest places right here that men and women really, really split. And it's very, it can be fixed very easily, but most of them have no idea that what's happening there. Yeah, of course, that's right. It's getting clarity, isn't it? And really understanding what's happening. So that's such a great insight, Adam. Thanks for, for that. And um, so if I'm a, let's say there's some women listening in today and they're saying, you know what, that's exactly what happens. I really recognize that. And maybe they even want to give this episode to their partner or, you know, they want to, you know, work in this area. What would you say to mm-hmm. the the guys? What what should we men do or be aware of to counter this tendency that you're talking about? Two things. Um, when you're listening to her and then when you're talking to her, two different steps. Number one, when she's talking, when she's about to start talking, you say, real quick, I really want to hear this, but I want to make sure I give you what you're looking for. So are you sharing this with me so that we can, we can share it? Or are you trying to get a solution? Which one is it right now? So I can give you what you're looking for. And she will usually say, I just want to share this with you. Okay. In your brain, men, fix this. The problem is not whatever she's describing. The problem is that she needs to feel close to you and process what's going on. The solution is for you to listen and process it with her. That is it. Do not, that is, that is the solution. Again, the male brain observe and act upon, observe the problem and then act upon it by giving her your full attention and really sharing this moment with her. And it will mean a lot to her. And then you'll be both bonding and she'll feel closer to you. She will release a ton of oxytocin through this and this will increase her bedroom drive by the way because she'll feel heard and loved and respected and that's all she needed from you that is the solution she needs from you mm-hmm. then when you are going to share something with her you men need to share on purpose with their wife or female partner whoever whomever it may be um men men only communicate to solve problems and if there's not a problem or we don't know the solution or we don't know how to get it we just don't communicate no problem women opposite if there's no communication it's a giant problem so men i encourage you frequently, once a week, um, go to your wife, share a problem you are experiencing, share the feeling that that problem makes you have, share the solution you have already thought of. This is where most men get tripped up because they say, if I thought of a solution, why would I tell her? I'll just go do it. No, share the solution you've already thought of and then ask for her input on that solution. You're not asking her if you should do it and turning the choice over to her. Here's what it looks like. Uh, I'm having this problem with this guy at work. He is talking all the time. It's distracting me from my work. It's really frustrating. me, And I haven't known what to do about it because I don't want to be rude. But 
that's really frustrating. You've shared the problem and you've shared how it makes you feel. Next, you share your solution. I think I'm going to go in tomorrow and just hit him in the head with a brick. That will solve the problem because he will stop talking to me. Okay. Then you share, you ask her for her insight. Before I do that, can you give me some insight on this? Have I missed anything? Can you think of anything, any, any complications I should be aware of? You're asking for her insight on it. And the female brain, again, goes back and observes and then goes back and forth across the hemispheres and makes rapid connections deeper than the male brain tends to. So we will think, hey, he's bothering me. I should hit him with a brick. And that seems pretty reasonable. She will say, ah, wait a minute, but here's this problem. Here's your solution. Here's this piece way over here that you missed. That's a different connection. And, and I do this with my wife all the time. And she pulls out amazing insights. On, on things that I didn't even make a connection with. And I say, how did you think of that? She says, how did I not think of it? It's just how it is. And she will pull that connection. And you say, wow, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to take that into consideration. I'm going to figure out how to apply that to my solution. I appreciate you. I appreciate your insight. That was really helpful. And this tells her that she is incredibly valuable to you for her wisdom, her insight, her experience, and how well she knows you. This creates powerful emotional security for her because as she ages with you, she will trade her, her youthful good looks, but she will gain all of these things that actually make her valuable to her to you. Mm. So she is irreplaceable. Even if a 20-year-old blonde comes walking by, you will not chase that young woman because you would rather have this woman who is incredibly helpful and valuable to you in your life by making your life better by telling you, do not hit that guy in the head with a brick because this could happen or whatever situation may come up. Again, my wife, I, I work with her on these things all the time. Her insights are wonderful, but helping her feel valuable, also very important for the relationship. Men who master this, who master asking, do you want to share with me or look for a solution? And who go and share the problem, the feeling, the solution, and then ask for insight on that solution. Those two pieces right there, it makes you, how do I want to say it helps her feel so safe and secure and trusted and loved in, in the communication on both sides that boosts the relationship intimacy. This is emotional intimacy. It boosts it through the roof and your relationship will start improving very drastically at that point. So that right there, power combo. Uh, yeah, that's a really great summary, Adam. I, I love that. And what I'm hearing there, um, if I could just like reflect back, is that it's, it's mm -hmm. really powerful, but also a bit counterintuitive. It goes a bit against the grain. Yeah, because like if we as men are, are in this, we've got we're kind of wired for solutions to actually hold hold that back and say, well, hang on, is it really about a solution here, or is it about something else, like just being heard? It mm. kind of takes us to catch ourselves, doesn't it? At that point, mm. how would you absolutely? What about what would you say to guys who say, well, it sounds like a nice idea, Adam, but I just think I'm just wired that way, and that's what I do. How how could I catch mm. myself at that point to be able to do that? Would you say? Talk, talk with your wife and share with her or, or female partner or whomever. Talk with them and say, I've heard these cool things. Is this true? And she'll probably say, oh, yes. Thank you so much for listening to that. Please do it. And you'll say, well, it's tough because I, I just I have a hard time. Can you help me with this? And can we both start implementing this together rather than me trying to act upon you and make this happen in a relationship to push your buttons different? Can we implement yeah. this? Can you come and tell me? proactively when you are looking for a solution or if you're wanting to share, can you proactively share that in advance? And then can you prime me and kind of poke me and say, Hey, you know, tell me about something that's going on in your life. And then I'll say, Oh, okay. And then I'll remember I'm supposed to do that thing. Work as a couple, 
work as a team. This is not something you need to remember and magically push her buttons to make to get a different outcome, like a vending machine. Work on this together and just check. Guys listening to this, go and check. Ask her, hey, I heard this weird thing from this dude on this podcast. Is this true? Have the talk. Yeah. Open the conversation. It's, it makes a lot of sense, Adam. I, I love you know what you said. It's really coming from both angles, isn't it? To make us as men get what we need, which is that sense of a you know a solution and being constructive, working towards something, so we're feeling good. But then our partner is also feeling heard and understood and mm-hmm. listened to, which gives her what she needs. So it sounds like a really great um, a great balance that you're looking to strike there. So that sounds really really good. Um, what would you say? Are there any other like challenges that when people start putting this into place what would you say is the hardest thing about it or is, is it not hard <laughs> what's your, your view on it the hardest part is it goes back to that attachment of believing that you can even open up these conversations without either revealing that you're an awful fraud who's incapable of being loved from anxious style or an avoidant person who says i don't want to get that close to someone they might hurt me they might use that intimacy to start hurting me And even if it's an irrational thought, the other person really wouldn't, that fear and terror is still there, so they just can't. So they hit this wall of fear that closes their throat and makes them want to run away from this intimacy. So they will just start pushing nice buttons to make the other person like them, whether that's the avoidant person trying not to get abandoned or the the anxious person trying not to get abandoned or the avoidant person trying to prime the other person to then turn around and meet their needs. Um, it becomes, like I said, that's why I said, open up and share these things with her. Don't just push her buttons and hope that she will reciprocate. Talk to her about what's happening and change the relationship together. Very important for that to happen. And if you can make that happen, that's when the good stuff really starts taking place. But don't work upon your partner. Don't push them. Don't push their buttons. Don't act upon them. Act with them with full informed consent. That's the best mm. approach. Be a team. Be a cooperative team. Fantastic. It makes a lot of sense, Adam. Thanks for, for that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so what I've really, uh, I've really loved hearing your insights here. And it's so actionable and practical, and I'm sure it's resonating with so many people listening. So I just want to say a massive thank you for, you know, spending the time with us this afternoon to share your uh, experience and wisdom around this. Um, how can people keep in touch with you, Adam? How, how can people find out more about your work? Oh, well, there's a couple different ways. So I've got my website, adamlanesmith.com. I have resources on there, my attachment bootcamp course to fix attachment. Couples go through that together and get, get better together. They fix it. You get vasopressin and oxytocin bond at the same time. I got my coaching packages on there. I can guide people through this. Um, my best couple of platforms, if you like learning through short videos, I'm on TikTok. I'm at attachment bro. I put out all kinds of educational and funny videos on there. I am on YouTube. At Adam Lane Smith, I've got tons of video guides available there. And I'm on Instagram, at Attachment Adam. If you like reading, you want to save some materials, you want to share them. My my text-driven information is really on Instagram. On Instagram, fantastic. Well, um, I'd encourage everyone to, you know, do that and find out more about what Adam's doing. We'll include the links as well in the show notes. So just click down below there and uh, we'll make mm-hmm. sure they're all available to, to everyone. And um yeah, just massive thank you again, Alan, for joining us. Any final thoughts you wanted to finish up with, Adam? Anything you wanted to uh, add? Yes. If you find yourself afraid in your relationships, understand that that's an abnormal state that you are in to survive, and you can fix that. You can get to a place where there's no fear and no pain, and you can cooperate in good faith to build loving relationships where you feel safe. You just have to understand it. Learn about attachment. 
fantastic it's really a call to action it's like a believe in relationships you know because it's a really great great point because like so many people particularly when they've been struggling for a while it's very easy to get to that point where we just maybe give up subconsciously on the whole thing and just think well they're difficult they're challenging it's never going to work and we just get demoralized don't we if we're not careful so I think that's a really powerful message to say you know keep believing that you know great relationships are possible it is a it it is a thing (laughs) and if you work towards it and put the right strategies in place then you know it can be your thing as well so Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.